0: Invite you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. That's chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Find that on page 180 in your Pew Bibles, I believe, the NIV. Um, this, this is right in the middle of a really long speech that Moses gives. It starts on at chapter 5, and it basically starts, the Israelites are in the middle of the desert, they're about to enter the new land, they're at the very end of the 40 years, it's sort of a uh, transition time, appropriate for New Year's uh, service, and um, Moses gives this long speech, and starts it off in chapter 5 with, a second reading of the Ten Commandments. It's the second giving of the law. That's really the name that Deuteronomy is. It's the law, second time. Namos and Deuteros, second, the, the second giving of the law. And Moses' speech lasts, most scholars think, from chapter 5 through chapter 11. And it is long long speech, and it's basically nothing new. He basically rehashes old territory. And so that's a bit of the context, and you need to understand that part if we're going to understand chapter 8. So uh, chapter Eight's in the middle of this big long speech, and it's sort of a rehashing, it's going over ancient history. He's telling them their story again this is what has happened, this is why it's happened, because of your rebellion. God did this, you did this, you failed to do this. This is again how I want you to behave because you are my people and I am your God. And that's back over it and over it and over it and over it again. Um, So that's that's the context that we have here before us in chapter 8. And now I'll, I'll... I would like to ask God's blessing first, and then I'll read. Lord God, we take now the up the most important story that there is, the most important book that there is to us. It is, Lord, the lamp for our feet. If we don't know what the new year holds, if we perhaps are frightened or nervous or regretting the loss of the old one, if we are regretting anything in the past, if we are worried about anything in the future, what we do know is that you are the God of the past, the present, and the future and that you hold us close and that we need to respond in a close way as well. So help us as we read, as I preach as we listen and, Lord, as we do your word. and We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart whether or not you would keep his commands he humbled him, he humbled you causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna which neither you nor your fathers had known to which you that man does not to teach you that man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of the lord Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams and pools of waters, with springs flowing in the valleys and hills, A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands his laws and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build your houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and you have all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery, out of Egypt, he led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty, waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you to water out of He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the desert, something your fathers had never known, to humble and to test you, so that in the end, you, it might go well with you. You may say to yourself. My power and my strength of my hand have produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Like the nations the Lord destroyed before you, so you will be destroyed. For not obeying the word of the Lord your God. People of God, this is the word of the Lord. When I was, my wife and I were in Europe recently, we, we like to visit old buildings and... Um, I became particularly interested in, interested in the doors of some of these big places, the cathedrals, the castles, the grand houses the the big places of business. Uh, I think it's as a, I, I thought for a while, boy they they really know how to do a door in those places and I think about American doors, and they're just sort of Utilitarian. You, well, you, you, you go through a door to pass from one room to the next, from outside to inside and inside to outside, and it's it's not a big deal. It's just uh, this opening through which you pass. But in Europe, and I've come to see, be more conscious of doors in the U.S. and and uh, there's a whole lot of attention p- paid, not nearly as much, but still, it's an important feature of architecture. And I, but I got to thinking, what, how does a door, and particularly a threshold, function in life? And when you start thinking about a New Year's Day or a first service of a New Year's, we're, we're at something of a threshold. We, we like when we're standing in the doorway. We can look back at the year behind us, the life behind us, we can then turn around and look forward into this new frame of existence that we're stepping into, this new year, this next day of the rest of your life, this unknown. And it's an important place to stand, a doorway. And it, I, I thought Europe did a, and the old places of Europe especially have, have done a jo- remarkable job of saying it's a significant thing to come into our space. We, if it's a cathedral, they put a lot of attention into doors and they want you to know that this is a significant, a life-changing, very important place that you're crossing into. Well I think we need to think about that in terms of a year. When you, when you come to a threshold, you are entering a new space and when we look back when you come to a threshold, like a, a year or a, a birthday, or there's, there's a mixture, isn't there, of both excitement about what lies ahead and of perhaps some regret. For those of us who are older, a birthday, a, that transition, there's, there's maybe more regret than excitement. We look back and we have some nostalgia and we wish, boy, uh, if, I, if I were young again or if I'd have only done this, and there's all sorts of things to think about even just this last year, if we had only done something a different way, if I had only spoken sooner, there's all sorts of, of regrets that we have as we look at the last year. If we, as we look at the last year, we have some profound and, and uh, very serious regret. We think of unspeakable tragedies and happened just very recently, and, and the, the drought of 2012 will, Will live in a lot of our memories, and we hope that as we face 2013, we won't have yet a, another one—a drought of 2013. There's so there's there's regret as we look back. There's also some nostalgia and say, "Boy, I, I wish I could live that night again," or "I wish I could meet those people." And what, uh, so there, were, there's some regret as we, we look behind. There's also excitement as we face the future. It's unknown. We don't know what will be happening. We do know as Christians that it will be happening in the context of the Lord. And that's what we have in, excuse me, Deuteronomy 8. Israel is on a threshold. They're at the very end of the desert. They look over their shoulders at what they've just come through, and there's very little nostalgia. There's probably no one in the whole camp of the Israelites saying, oh, boy, I mean, I'm really going to miss that desert. Boy, those were the good days, weren't they? <laughs> there's no one saying that. That, that, was, that was dismal, difficult, hard, hard times for them. So there's probably nobody looking back at the good old days there, but there's certainly nervousness about what they're about to enter. They don't know how fierce those Canaanites are going to be. They don't know how difficult it's going to be, or or not, to rid the Canaanites, rid Canaan of the Canaanites, and take over the land. They don't they don't have any sense of how what that's going to be like. So they're nervous. So it's there as they are in this threshold time. Moses comes up and makes this long, long speech. And, and if you're uh, not a big fan of long, long sermons, you wouldn't have liked. Uh, Moses is a <laughs> long sermon, and it's nothing new. It, it's all old stuff. He's going over and over, gives them the law again, that's how he starts, and goes through all of the blessings and curses, and this is what happened when I did this, and this is what happened when you did this. He, he rehashes their history for them, as I said. Um... And it it goes, as I said, all the way from chapter 5 through chapter 11. But there's some some critical things about it that are important for us to listen to in chapter 8 that we can apply to our situation and some things that have not changed at all in these many thousands thousands of years. In chapter 8, just a couple of key verses. Verse 2, remember, that's why I'm doing this want you to remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. Verse 11, be careful that you don't forget, another way of saying it, the Lord your God. Verse 18, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you the ability to produce wealth. So, Confirms his command, his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors. He's saying, when when you enter this new land with all of its milk and honey and all of its easy riches, it's it's not going to be like it was in the desert, where you where you are going to be dependent every day on this manna stuff coming out of the sky and this water coming out of the rock. The, your, the fruits going to be dripping off of trees. There's going to be water and streams and pools everywhere. If you are passing into a rich, easy, easy life, don't forget the desert. Just because the rate of miracles is going to go way, way down, and they had a, they had miracles daily, every you say, well, we do too. Every day the sun comes up. Every every new breath I draw, that's a miracle. Yes, but it's a rather ordinary one they had spectacular just poof out of the out of the thin air miracles happening all the time moses is saying it's not going to be that way now in the new land it's going to be much easier for you you won't it's things will drip off of trees you will enjoy wealth You will enjoy ease of life. The worries will be few. Don't forget where this comes from. That's his big message. Don't forget. Um, Verse 19. I'm sorry, verse... uh, Yes, verse 19. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods, and that's where it ultimately comes down to, and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them then there will be truly hell to pay i will you will be destroyed that will be the end of you if you forget where this blessing comes from and if you forget our relationship and start transferring it in for other relationships alongside of me i am the one i am the only i if If your wealth, for instance, becomes an idol, a god, alongside of me, if your education, if your domination over your neighbors becomes something as important to me as my relationship is to you, O Israel, you won't make it. I will destroy you. It will be an end to it. What's the point? What's the point? Well, Of this threshold moment. Israel is about to enter a place that's so very different. The dependency factor. They're needing the Lord on a daily, on an hourly basis for because of the harsh living in the desert. Their utter and complete dependency will go way, way down, or so they think certainly the trappings of life will be a lot different. And in their minds it'll be a lot easier. And he warns them. When you start thinking, oh, this is my accomplishment. I did this. This is the little business I built. (laughs) Moses, Moses is saying, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, he is the one, Israel, on whom you are dependent. Don't Don't forget. Don't forget whose shoulders you stand on. Don't forget the promises he made. Then, of course, there's warning. He says, you know, the the newness out there will be so new and the temptations will multiply. You will be tempted in ways you can't imagine now. So, what what are we doing to to guard against those temptations? We're doing, dear friends, what we're doing right now. We're going over our history. We're telling our story to each other again. That's what we do in worship. That's why this church, in a long noble tradition of, of churches, has, for instance, two worship services on a Sunday. Because you can't hear it too much. Because all of the other messages which you get in a continual way, you are your own. You don't owe anything to anybody. You're worth everything your little heart desires. That's the message that we are bombarded with by our society, bombarded with by our our televisions and radio, the Internet. You are special. You are the only one of your kind. You deserve anything your little heart desires. That's the message that our culture has built around us, and that's the message we hear in a constant way. It's it's vital to your spiritual, your life, that you hear the truth and hear it regularly, that you go over your knowledge, That you get involved with Bible studies, with personal devotions, with a vital, energetic, I have to have this for my health, lest I be destroyed, approach to, to prayer life. You cannot overdo the hearing of the story of redemption, of how God has come to you and blessed you. A lot of, a lot of uh, folks today say, well, we don't want to sort of dun us our children to death with with church and Sunday school and uh, the same old old thing over and over and over again. I, I, I have to tell you that's balderdash. We cannot overdo. And we have to be wise and we have to, to be in tune to the spirit who always gives us a fresh way to say it. There's nothing that's boring or dull or, or unfun about the greatest story ever told. God gives us the tools, the imaginations, to tell the story and to keep it fresh. But that's what we do. That's what we do in, in a worship service like this. We're doing what Moses did with the people. Listen again, because the culture has told you, forget about it, it's all about you. No, no, listen again to what God has done for you. Listen to how he has brought you out. How much you are loved. That's why we regularly go through the church here. We celebrate Christmas. We, we go through Lent. We go through, we, we have... We remember Good Friday and the incredible cost that it took him to love us that much. And we we revel in the amazing reversal of the whole of it and the hope that we have because of the resurrection and Easter Sunday and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We, We regularly go over our knowledge. We remind each other yet again because I promise you, you can't overdo good news. And there is no news that any of you have ever heard that is better than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him might not perish but have everlasting life. And that God is bringing a new Creation when there will be no more mourning or crying, and that in which death has been defeated in the grave's victory is no victory at all. It is a meaningless thing. Which is good to remind ourselves. It's vital that we remind ourselves of it over and over again. So, at the thresholds, you can see. When you approach the church, have a look at your door. And maybe building committees say, well, it's, it's kind of plain and ordinary and just sort of... I mean, is there... There has to be some ways... I'm not talking about redo your door. I didn't even notice it, frankly, when I came in. That's kind of how we are with doors in America. But, but when you start to think of thresholds as, as, as crossing over zones, here again, I'm going to hear the story that means more to me than any other story could ever possibly mean. That's what we need to remember and cre- recreate ourselves o- for ourselves over and over again. God knows us. God has paid attention. God has studied us. And we, at our peril, grow bored with his story. So I would urge you to, in a conscious way, in 2013, say, how have, have I grown bored with the story? Is it, oh, God loves me, Jesus came, died, yeah, okay, what did the bears do? Is that what my life is like? What's the market going to do? If that's what my life is like, then hear these words from Moses. And resolve that this year will be another year of turning. Another year of leaning. Another year of seeking the Lord your God.